0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the nine o'clock service. As Pastor J.D. said, be ready at about 10 o'clock right when I'm wrapping up my message for the influx of people to come in right as ministry time begins. They're just going after that, that last little bit. Well, you know, it's fun to be able to, to be talking today, and we're gonna be in week three of our ideology series. If you've been tracking with us over the last few weeks, you know we've been talking through some, some what does it mean for ideas to be formed in us? And do we let the, the word of God, the person of God, shape those ideas or do we let our past, our preference and, and culture really shape how we think about things? And, and today I get to talk about one of my favorite things and it's God, but more specifically, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to dive into what does it mean to know the Holy Spirit? What is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit? You know, I'm sure there's some fathers out there that are going to identify with this story. So I'm, I'm a father of four. I got four kids. And, you know, when we had our first Micah, you know, I was I was barely not a child myself. I was like 21 years old when we were pregnant with our first kid. And, you know, I knew we were having a child. Intellectually, I understood we are having a child. But for those nine months leading up to it, that's all it was, is it was an intellectual understanding that we are having a child. I mean, so much so that this thing played out as we're in the hospital room and my wife is laboring. All it is at this point is an intellectual understanding. I have not carried this child. I have gone to some doctor's visits and, and seen some things on a screen and thought, man, that's cool. And then I, I show up at this hospital room, and I've got a level of relationship with this child, but it's all in here. And it plays out in that my wife is there in this room laboring. And I'm sitting in there with my brother, which, why was he in there? I don't know. (laughs) That's not the place that your brother-in-law should be hanging out. But he's there, and because all it is is an intellectual understanding of we're going to have a child, I'm sitting there tossing a tennis ball back and forth (laughs) with him over my wife's head. (laughs) After a few minutes, I am given a look that tells me If I don't stop, one life will end as one life begins. (laughs) I kind of get the point. Kind of. See, it's still just an intellectual understanding at this point. I get hungry. Well, she wasn't able to eat all day, so I, you know, do the natural thing and go get a pastrami sandwich and bring it into the room and attempt to hold her hand while I eat my pastrami sandwich got this close to being murdered (laughs) before I took that sandwich and went outside. See, it was an intellectual understanding of what fatherhood was. I knew I was becoming a dad, but it wasn't until I had the chance to not only just have an intellectual understanding of what fatherhood was, but an experiential understanding of what fatherhood was, that it really became real to me. See, for many of us, we have one or the other when it comes to what the relationship with the Holy Spirit is like. For many in Christendom, we have an intellectual understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what his purpose in our lives is, but there's no experience. For others, there's an experiential aspect of it, and that drives everything. But there's no intellectual understanding of who he is, what he is like, and what the Bible has to say about his purpose in your life. See, when we actually begin to weave together the intellectual and the experiential understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, that's when we really have an encounter. That's when we have a full encounter of who the Holy Spirit is. If you've been around Antioch, you'll understand what I'm about to talk about. But if you're new, we have this thing called the steps. The steps are are our way of pursuing growth and transformation in God. And the steps begin with an encounter. And when we say encounter, we're not just talking about just a moment. We're talking about a moment that leads to understanding in our life, that leads to a learning and a growing and a real transformation in our lives. That's what we're longing for. That's what we're wanting. We're not not just wanting moments in God where we can notch off and say, look, I had a cool experience. No, we're wanting a moment that leads to a greater understanding of who God is. We're wanting our understanding in scripture to lead to fresh encounters with God through an experience of God. We're wanting a full encounter with God, both intellectually understanding who he is and experientially understanding who he is. So that we can have a full and complete encounter with God. And actually, that's what I'm believing is going to happen this morning. That we're going to dive into an intellectual understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. What the Bible has to say about it. And then then we're going to invite the Holy Spirit again. He's already come. As J.D. was talking about, there was a reverence in the room as the Holy Spirit came. And we're going to invite him to come again. To meet with us. In fact, let's just do that right now because ha- music doesn't have to be playing for the Holy Spirit to come and encounter you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. As I talk, would you encounter people with the renewing of their mind and your presence come and we'll be, tr- be transformed today in your presence. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, just to do what you do this morning. Amen. Well, to start with who the Holy Spirit is, let's just first off say the Holy Spirit is God. But to understand what that means, we're gonna dive into something called the doctrine of the Trinity. And I'm gonna spend just a couple minutes on this because I believe it's important for us to understand what the doctrine of the Trinity is. It's a mystery, but we're gonna lean into believing God that he's gonna give us some understanding of what it's like so that we can fully know who he is. The Holy Spirit is not some lesser than thing in God. He's not some offshoot. He's not some ethereal cloud floating out there. The Holy Spirit is God. The same as the Father is God, the same that Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Equally and completely, the Holy Spirit is God. And this is what the doctrine of the Trinity simply states. The doctrine of the Trinity says that the Trinity is not a belief in three gods, but there is one God who exists In three distinct persons. God is one essence in three persons. Theologian theologian Norman Glazler says it this way He says, Essence is what you are, person is who you are. So God is one what in three whos. The doctrine of the Trinity goes on to say that three persons are not. Each a part of God, but they are fully and equally God. Within God's undivided being, there is an unfolding into three interpersonal relationships such that there are three persons. The distinctions within the Godhead, the Trinity, are not distinctions of his essence. Neither are they something to be added to his essence. Jesus does not bring something, the Holy Spirit does not bring something that is not fully found in the Father. They are all fully, equally God. They work themselves out in three interpersonal relationships with us. That's why Matthew 28 19, Jesus says this, because he has this understanding and he's trying to pass on this understanding into his followers. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, meaning fully immerse them into relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct persons. It is not one person taking on three different roles. It's not like the Father was the Father and then decided, you know what, now I'm going to become Jesus And Jesus didn't exist before that. And then Jesus said, now I'm gonna go and I'm gonna become the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit didn't exist before that. No, the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have all existed for all time. They always will. They are one and three. One essence, three distinct persons. Each person is fully God Each possess the fullness of God. All the attributes of God are found in each one. There is no difference in essence, but there are three distinct personhoods in which we get to know them and encounter them. How this often find its its interplay in our lives is that we experience from them different aspects of God because of the personhood that they carry. All of it is available in all of them, but we often are able to relate to them in a different way. Often we'll relate to Father God as protector, as provider, because that is the role God, we need to experience God the Father in. We experience Jesus as not only this elder brother, but as the the sacrificial lamb who gave his life for us. The Holy Spirit, which we're gonna dive into today, reveals himself in this relationship to us in many ways, but but some we're going to dive into today is as the sealer, the revealer, and the filler of our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who seals us. He seals us by marking us, marking my soul as redeemed and reconciled to God. He marks this as redeemed and reconciled. What this means is that when I choose to believe, or you know, when we put our faith fully in God, believing that the intention of the Father was that we would have unbroken relationship with God. And because of that intention, Jesus came, lived, died, and was resurrected so that the the problem of sin could have a resolution. When we put our faith in that and we believe that, the Holy Spirit then comes and is a seal upon our life. What does that mean for the Holy Spirit to live as a seal in our lives? It means that we get to live free from the bondage of sin. It means that that I don't have to prove my righteousness to God by my works anymore. It means that I am sealed as God. Listen to what Ephesians chapter one says. Paul speaking to the church there, he says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of redemption for those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What it means to be sealed by the Holy Spirit, it means that I get to live in this security knowing that I am God's very own possession. God marks me as his. He marks you as his. When you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you and marks you with a seal. It says you were God's. You were his possession. Jesus bought you with a price. He paid for you. You are now his. <coughs> that same seal... It also allows us to live in a place of authority. Let me, let me paint the picture for you this way. So if a king has a seal, that king then places that seal upon different things. And whatever that seal is upon shows that that thing either belongs to the king or acts on behalf of the king. So if you were to go into a city and see the city gates above you, you would see the king's seal stamped on the city gates. What that would signify to everybody walking in is that this city belongs to the king. This city is his. Anything you do in this city will be held accountable to the king. This is his city. In the same way, that king would send out workers on his behalf with a seal, a ring, with his seal on it. And wherever that seal was shown, people knew they were acting on behalf of the king. Everything they did was with the king's authority. For us as believers, what the seal of the Holy Spirit means on our lives is that we are marked as gods. Wherever you go, You were marked as God's possession. You're not going to necessarily have a stamp put on you physically that people are seeing. This is going to take place in the unseen world, the spiritual realm, as Paul calls it. What that means is that on those days when you feel like you were fighting and you don't understand where that attack is coming from and you feel alone, You remind yourself, I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means an attack on me is an attack on God. Any attack on me is an attack from God. That fills us us with a sense of comfort and security. That I'm not being attacked on my own and I am not left to then fight on my own. I now fight knowing that I am sealed by God. And so any attack from hell, from the world, from my own flesh on me, means that I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am God's possession. So God, I ask that you would help fight with me. Would you fight on my behalf? It means that I am now given the authority of God to go walk and be his ambassador where you work, where you live, your home, your family, your friends, God has placed a ring on your finger with his seal that says, I I am commissioning you to go live as my ambassador, to reveal what I am like to the world around you, and to go demonstrate what I do. The sealing of the Holy Spirit is meant to remind us that we have, have this security in God and this authority from God to go live. What this looks like on a daily basis is just like this ring on my finger reminds me of a commitment and the opportunity I made to my wife, a commitment to love her, to serve her, and an opportunity to go do the same. The seal of the Holy Spirit is meant to remind me. It is meant to remind you that you are God's possession, that you belong to him, you are marked by him, that you're not alone in the fights that you're fighting. He's gonna be there with you. He's gonna fight on your behalf. He's gonna bring peace to you when you feel like nothing you can do is right and you're, you feel like you need to, to make your own way back to God. He's gonna bring comfort to you and remind you, no, you're mine. I bought you with the price. I didn't, Jesus didn't die, you know, paying for part of your sins. He paid for all of them. The ones you don't know about yet. He already bought. He paid for them. You're God's possession. And you're given authority to go live. Representing the king. Not representing yourself. Representing him. Representing his ways, his purposes, what he wants to do in this world. The Holy Spirit is a seal upon our life, giving us security and authority in who God says that we are and what he's done. The Holy Spirit is also the revealer to our lives. He's the revealer so that we can know who God is. He's a revealer so that we can understand what's in here? Do you ever, you ever feel like you struggle to figure out what does this actually say? The Holy Spirit is a promise to you that you can have truth revealed to you. That encourages me so often when I read this and I'm like, I am not sure what to do with that. that. In that moment, pro tip here, in that moment when you're reading your Bible and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, That's that moment where you just stop and you say, Holy Spirit, would you come reveal truth to me? Would you come reveal truth to me? That is what he does. In John chapter 16, Jesus speaking to his followers says this. He says, but very truly I tell you that it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. All truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because he is from me. Because because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Another way to put that is the Holy Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit will reveal truth because he is truth to us. And he's going to be our, our guide in discovering what is actually true. So often, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about how what we determine is true is often shaped by our past, our preference, and culture. What we want to do is we want to let the Holy Spirit be the one who determines what is true for us. And we want to spend our life leaning into that saying, would you help me understand what you say is true because you are truth. In you, I find truth. If it is not what you say is true, then it is false. And I want to lean into what you say is true. I want to to know what is true about you. God, would you reveal to me what is true about God's nature? Not what Culture says is true about God. Would you reveal to me what you say is true about God? Would you reveal to me what is true about your kingdom? Would you reveal to me what is true about my identity? Not what my past says or not what my preference is saying right now. Would you reveal what is true about my identity? And the Holy Spirit wants to reveal truth to us on any number of things. But we need to be guided into truth. We have to be guided there. So it means there's a level of submission we have to take to not go it alone, to not go on our own, to say, Holy Spirit, I let you guide me into all truth. That's why we say we're Bible people around here, because the the Holy Spirit will use this as a map to help reveal truth to you. If all you do is take time to listen to the Holy Spirit, but you never crack this thing open, you won't have a full revelation of truth. And if all you do is read this from a scholarly standpoint, but never let the Holy Spirit inspire it, you will end up with a partial revelation. You need the Holy Spirit revealing truth to you as you open the word of God, allowing him to be your guide and not going it alone. Because when we go it alone, we we don't get the result we're actually going for which for us is actually to grow and be transformed more into the nature and image of God. We wanna be transformed like him. And so we gotta let him guide us. You know, this past summer, you know, I, I've, I've had a dream of learning how to fly fish for my whole life. I'd say my whole life, probably not my whole life, but as long as I can remember, I wanted to, to learn how to fly fish. And so this, this summer, our family was in Colorado, and I'm like, I'm going for it. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to learn how to do this. It's not the first time I've made that declaration, but this time I decided to go differently about it. I actually hired a guide this time and the results were much different. See, the first time I did it, I decided I could do this on my own. So I rented some equipment, went and found a stream stood out in it for three or four hours, only to find out later that there's actually no fish in that stream. (laughs) And I didn't have any flies on my line. So when you're fly fishing, you need flies on the end of your line to actually catch anything. So I stood out there with a stick, waving it in the air for four hours the first time I did it. Well, the second time I did it, this time we decided to hire a guide. He brought all the gear, he drove us there, he showed us the river, he placed us in the river where to find the fish. He taught my wife how to catch fish. I just tangled my line over and over and over. He called me Sir Tangles a lot, but he corrected my behavior because that's what a good guide does. A good guide will lead you to where you need to go, will help you know what to do when you're there and will, and will also correct you when you're wrong. The Holy Spirit is the revealer to us because he does those things in our lives. When we submit to him, he will reveal to us. He will show us where to go, how to take the steps of our life. You need direction in your life. Then what you wanna do is you wanna lean into the Holy Spirit and say, would you reveal to me what I need to do about my life? Would you open the scriptures to me and help me understand what it's saying about how to take this next step, how to parent in this situation, how to love my friends, my wife? What do I do with my boss or my employees in this situation? How do I represent God's nature in this situation? Would you reveal to me your truth on how I actually do this thing? Will you be my guide? And I wanna let the Bible be my map. See, a good guide will always have a map with them. They're going to they're guide you according to a way. And the Holy Spirit wants to be our revealer. We want to have revelation. and He's going to do it as we invite him into relationship. Say, yes, I want to learn from you, and I want you to reveal truth to me in the scriptures. And lastly, the, what we're going to talk about today is the Holy Spirit is the filler. He fills us. See, the first two things I talked about, the sealing and the revealing, in Christendom, nobody's arguing with those things. Everyone's like, yeah, that's good. But there's there's some question about why do we need to be filled? Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Depending on your denominational background, your belief, you might wonder if this is real or not. Do I need this or not? Let Let me bring you into a phenomenon that's happening right now in culture that I think helps us understand why we need this. It wouldn't take long if, if you searched on the internet right now to realize that there are parking lots full of cars. Useless cars. Why? Because there's supply chain issues happening all over the world. Microchips are not available. And so therefore you have parking lots full of Almost fully built cars, but they're missing these chips, these chips that supply power to these cars. You know, you can have one of these beautifully built cars, you can have the the stamp of GMC on the hood of that truck. You can have it parked there. You can read the manual and know all about it. But if it doesn't have that chip in it, it's just a yard ornament. It doesn't do anything. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the filling of the Holy Spirit is actually what empowers us to go live like Jesus and be transformed into his image. We believe this because Jesus demonstrated it to his followers. Let me walk you through some scriptures real quick. This is the resurrected Jesus. We're gonna look at John 20 first. The resurrected Jesus. He has lived, he has died, he has been buried, he has resurrected. This is just shortly after that period. His disciples are so freaked out still because he had just died. They had gone to his tomb and it was empty and they're freaking out because they're not sure what to do. They're wondering if they're next. And then Jesus walks into the room, like literally like walks through the walls into the room, which if you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, just read that passage. (laughs) Guys are freaking out and Jesus shows up and they freak out even more. And he's like, all right, peace, peace, peace. Calm down, calm down. But then he does something. It says in John chapter 20, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So they receive the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Some would say, all right, then that's good. That's all they need. They've already received from him. No, but then you you go just a little bit later down the road, and Jesus is having yet another conversation with them. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Now, I'm about to leave. And go to heaven, like we talked about in John 16, how it was good for me to go away. I'm about to go away and the Holy Spirit's gonna come. This is, it's about to happen now. So before you go do anything on your own, wait. Because the Holy Spirit's gonna fill you again. And so in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They didn't get filled once they got filled twice. And then you read on again in Acts chapter 4. They faced some persecution, they faced some trial. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What does this tell us? What you see throughout scripture is there's a pattern in the New Testament of believers being filled again and again and again and again and again. Why? Why? Because we don't need to just be filled once. We need daily filling from the Holy Spirit in order to live out like Jesus and be transformed more into his image. It's not just a one-time thing. It's like, God, I need you to fill me and fill me again and then fill me again and then fill me again because there is stuff coming at me. There's an onslaught from my own mind. There's an onslaught from the world. My past is telling me this is who I am. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again so I'm reminded about what you say about me, not what my past says about me. God, I'm stepping into an environment where I'm not sure how to handle it. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I respond with your fruit, with the fruit of what you're like, not the fruit of what I'm like. I experience enough of the fruit of what I'm like. If you don't believe me, watch football with me on Saturday afternoons. You know, I want to experience the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in my life, not the fruit of me. I want to be transformed into his image. And when I invite the Holy Spirit to fill me daily, what happens is I am transformed to be more like him. This is the fruit of the Spirit working its way out in my life. Galatians chapter five, Verses 22 and 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things happen. They begin to get cultivated in my life, not just because I think harder about them. They happen as I invite the Holy Spirit to fill my life. Would you fill me today, Holy Spirit? Would you teach me how to love people well? I've been praying this prayer over the last few weeks wanting a fresh revelation on what love is like but saying Holy Spirit would you fill me today so that I can love people well so I can fight for their highest good so I can help them be all that they were made to be so I can help them be transformed more into the, the image of God that you've made for them. Holy Spirit would you fill me today so that I actually love people well. I also need the Holy Spirit to fill me so that I can live empowered to go do what Jesus did. Not just to do what I want to do, but to go live like Jesus lived. That's what Jesus told us to do in in Matthew chapter 28. When he's sending his disciples out and he said, now I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them, teaching them, discipling them how to live like I've taught you to live. That means demonstrating the same power and manifestations that Jesus manifested when he was living. So we need to be filled with the power of God in order to go and do that. Those gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our lives are described in a couple different places in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another still interpretation of tongues. And all these work of one in the same spirit, and he distributes to them each one just as he determines. Go on to Romans chapter 12. We're gonna read about a couple more gifts. And it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. These are the gifts that empower us to go live like Jesus. And and here we believe in all of them. From prophecy to, to healing, to tongues, to serving, to leading, to giving, to showing mercy. Why? Because we're Bible people. And this is what the Holy Spirit said he wants to give us. So if this is what the Holy Spirit wants to give, then why would I not want to receive it? I want to receive all that he has because he has invited me to go live like Jesus lived. And the only way for me to do that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit not just once, but every day. Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you fill me today? Would you transform me so that what comes out of me, the motivations within me, resemble the fruit of the Spirit? That it's love, it's joy, it's peace. Those things of of which they're against no law but it's the fruit of the Spirit. Would you fill me today so that I actually have power to go serve people? Would you fill me today so that I can go lead diligently? Would you fill me today so that if I encounter sickness and disease, you can move through me and healing can take place? Would you fill me today so that I can be and do what Jesus did? Because that is what you've desired for my life. Would you fill me today? The Holy Spirit is God. And he wants relationship with us. He wants to, to walk with us. He wants to speak to us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to understand what he's like as we read this. And he wants us to experience him. He wants us to have a full and complete relationship with him not a partial relationship leaning into one or the other but a full relationship where we dive fully and completely into it where we have experience we say God would you help me learn what my experience was so I don't have an incomplete understanding of what you did where we have knowledge would you say God would you let that knowledge turn into an encounter with you that transforms my life to where I don't just have intellectual understanding, but I have experiential understanding. And I don't just have an experience, but I have an understanding intellectually of who you are and what you're doing in my life. Why don't you go ahead and stand? And we're gonna gonna close simply today. The band's gonna lead us in a song of worship and the Holy Spirit's already here. He's been here. He's been moving amongst us, but I'm gonna pray simply, Holy Spirit come. And we're gonna trust that the Holy Spirit is going to come. And that prayer is not an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come for the first time today. That prayer is for ourselves. When we pray that prayer, it is our heart posture saying, God, I'm ready to receive what you're doing. It is me saying, I'm here. Would you do what you want to do in me? And we're gonna pray that the Holy Spirit comes and he fills every single person in this room. That every single one of us are filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you woke up this morning and you already got filled. Well, get another dose. If this is new and you've never prayed, Holy Spirit, fill me, then get ready for the Holy Spirit to come and meet you in the way that you need in the way that he wants to encounter you. So Holy Spirit, we simply invite you to come. Come and do what you do. Come and meet with us. We want the fullness of what you have. We open ourselves up to you. We're ready to receive. If you feel comfortable, open up your hands. You can lift them high. You can just open them gently in front of you. It's just a posture where we're saying we're ready. We're ready to receive. This is an international posture of receiving. Holy Spirit, we're ready to receive from you. Come and meet with us.